you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, Roger here. Thanks for tuning in. You know, it's really rare when I meet an operator with a creative, fast-growing concept who just also happens to have his own ketchup factory in Costa Rica. Yup, it's all part of the story, in addition to his love of iced tea. But in this episode, we really talk about what it's like to put systems in place and to have one successful concept with a very unique idea behind it. Um, It literally marries over-the-top, indulgent, happy food with healthy, delicious alternatives. So you got one successful restaurant, leads to two, leads to five and six and seven, and on he goes, but it has been named Dallas's best new fast casual eatery, and there's so many reasons why. So you don't want to miss this episode. We're going to cover what it's like in the trenches to not only build a fast, con- you know, fast growing concept, but all the key little systems that play into that, so that you, you know, you just keep moving forward. You experiment new ideas, you put a great staff in place, and then you manage the whole thing so that it continues to grow. We talk about online reviews, having a customer success officer whose primary role is literally keeping the customers happy, responding to online reviews, and taking the brand forward. We talk about unique menu item offerings in an extensive menu, all with trademark names that are all part of brand building. So yes, brand is a big part of this as well. And as you know, I am a huge believer in not just running a restaurant, but building a brand. So listen to this episode. You'll see what I mean. I'm excited to bring it to you. Before we start the podcast, I'd like to thank my friends at Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and easy to use. It's simple, intuitive, cost-friendly, and designed to meet the demands of both quick and full-serve restaurants. Cake integrates online ordering and even waitlist management. With Cake Guest Manager, your guests can put themselves on your waitlist. Cake systems have actually increased guest counts by 25%. That's powerful. Support is just a phone call away. It's available 24-7, 365. And training includes Cake University. Cake is cloud-based, so you never lose contact even if the internet goes down. No wonder guest satisfaction is so high. Why not get a free demo at trycake.com forward slash rockstar. If you purchase cake, you'll get $750 off activation. Now, running your restaurant can be a piece of cake. You know, there are a thousand details to run a restaurant, and it pays to let the pros handle the critical elements of your business. When I ran restaurants, having a specialized payroll company was absolutely essential, and it gave me peace of mind. Well, thanks to Square Payroll, your restaurant can focus on taking care of business without worrying about all the fine details of payroll. With just a few clicks, you can pay W-2 employees and contractors. You can seamlessly import time data without ever adding hours manually. Yes, Square even has an app for that. They can even calculate and pay credit card tips. Square handles all payroll withholding, payments, and filing at no additional cost. Best of all, pricing is fair and flexible and scales with your business. It's just $29 per month plus $5 per month per employee. Benefits like health insurance, 401k, workers' comp, and pre-tax spending are also available. 
Go to square.com forward slash go forward slash rockstar and get three free months of Square payroll. Again, get three free months of Square payroll at square.com forward slash go forward slash rockstar. Check it out. Did you ever wonder why your place is empty, even though it's $5 burger night and your drinks are half price? You look across the street and your competitor's busy. What's going on? Well, the answer is Social Wi-Fi, which uses your guest Wi-Fi as a marketing tool to increase sales. Here's how it works. When your customers log in using their cell phone, email, or social media account, you grow your database, and you can now reach these customers in seconds via text or email. Social Wi-Fi is proven marketing firepower with open rates to 95% and conversions of 30%. That means for every 100 customers that you text, potentially 30 of these will respond to your offer, come in, and become repeat customers. That's powerful. Wi-Fi technology solutions are tech experts. For a limited time, they're offering unlimited texts at low monthly subscription rates. They provide everything you need full tech support, and training. See for yourself at getwifitech.com forward slash rockstars. Now, on with the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. As you know, these are engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, deliver amazing guest service experiences. Really excited today. I'm speaking with Mr. Reed Allen Slabuski, and he is with a concept called Skinny Fats. Welcome to the show, Reed. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, my listeners generally know that we like to start off with a backstory. You know, how you got into the crazy restaurant business, the hospitality space. What's your story? Um, well, I worked at McDonald's when I was 13 in Colorado for a hot minute before I moved back down to Florida with my dad for the summer. Um, high school work, or actually right when I first got into college out in Las Vegas, worked at a 50s diner for a little bit and uh, then kind of got sucked up into doing other things in the real estate market and kind of riding that wave for a few years out here in Las Vegas until that wave ceased to exist for a little bit. And, uh, you know, after kind of after the recession happened, uh, got into some vacation rental properties. And from that had a lot of catering business that I was getting out. Uh, So when the little deli that was near my office went under I thought that it would be a great place for me to get iced tea without leaving the parking lot. We could also maybe execute some of this catering that I was handing out to other people. Uh, So kind of uh, started it as a little side business that over the years has grown into the core business. And uh, we just, you know, keep, keep seeing what works and amplifying it. So tell us a little bit more about iced tea. You've sort of built yourself a little iced tea empire, which you've now parlayed into restaurants. So take us deeper there. Uh, I mean, it's always next to my hand, uh, so it's kind of just what I drink all day long. Try to try to splice it in with about half as much water now, and not just iced tea all day long. But uh, yeah, the uh, the the spot that was here before the deli uh, was a little. I think it had four four tops and four two tops, little tiny little red and white deli that was mainly meant to service the office park, um, and and essentially it's where I got my iced tea every day. So when it when it went under when it went out of business, it kind of I couldn't get iced tea without leaving the parking lot. So that was my uh, driving force for Perfect. spinning something open. But it was a little bit of an oddball. The we had, had as it was office space, 
the it was a eight foot electric hood that was in the deli. There was no gas, and because it was multi units, uh, the power bill was split up, so they couldn't couldn't hit you with the power bill. So we essentially for fourteen hundred bucks a month uh, got into a little restaurant, and uh, that was including utilities. So it seemed like you know pretty pretty hard to lose, and of course. There's a lot of lot of learning curve after that. Um, again, originally we had four four tops, four two tops. We were able to get in another nine seats, so we were rocking about 33 seats until last November. Just finished a big, big expansion here. Uh, basically built an entirely new restaurant around the original restaurant, um, and now it's about 4,500 square feet. We have our commissary here, and we have about 100 seats in the restaurant now. Okay, so that's quite a little expansion going on. I heard somewhere that you actually created your own ketchup once. Want to tell us about that? We do. We've got a we've got a factory down in Costa Rica that makes our four ketchups and our hot mustard. Yeah. Um, same thing when we started the restaurant. Um, Heinz had just come out with a balsamic ketchup and a jalapeno ketchup, and it was kind of a neat little touch. We put it on all of our tables, all eight of our tables, and but it was it just happened to come out right when we opened. Uh, back in June of 13. So it became really popular. People liked them. And then they switched from a glass bottle to an upside down plastic squeeze bottle for food service, uh, which was not on brand for us. So we started looking for other options, Um, came across another company that was, that we were private labeling through and started to develop out our own brand of it. Uh, And then Eventually, I think they went from one factory to another to save a nickel and ended up coming with an inferior product and missed, missed deadlines. I mean, we were ordering about a pallet at a time. Uh, we were never, you know, as it was a private label situation, we weren't, it wasn't ever something we'd be able to convey uh, into grocery or whatnot. Uh, from that and from those troubles, we kind of went out and found our own solution and expanded the line and started to get into groceries. So we're in about 80 grocery stores in Hawaii right now. Uh, and then we're just finishing our project GMO certification, which has taken a little longer than expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so basically they're just hopefully within the next couple of weeks of finally finishing that process. So once that's done, our next round of stickers will have the project GMO certification on it and we'll start to push forward into Whole Foods and some other, some other of the grocery markets that we've been looking at. Yeah, before we get into skinny fats, you're really touching on a subject that's near and dear to my heart. That's being a multifaceted entrepreneur. You've created multiple businesses and you're in multiple different concepts and areas and all that. And in order to do that, you really have to build what I call the dream team around you. So how do you put those pieces in place and how do you motivate your team and how do you train them and develop them and get them so that you can empower them to take care of business while you're taking care of new business? Well, that's, that's always the trick, right? And uh, we don't always get it right by any means. But we, the main thing we've done is we've kind of homegrown everyone. Um, all, of our, all of our corporate staff came up through the restaurant. Um, we've, to the point where sometimes, you know, we've brought people in at a higher level and it just tends to be tricky because they don't really know or understand the business as fully as somebody that's kind of come up through it. Um, but, you know, I think as, you know, motiva- motivation as growth, when you can actually see the growth and it's happening in front of you and can start to actually be part of our SWAT team, opening up stores in other cities and get that experience, I think is a big part of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just, I mean, you have to like, you have to think through what, what those people are going to want to do and kind of put those opportunities in front of them versus forcing them to go down a path of what your vision is. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, one thing like with the food hall we're doing up in Salt Lake, 
got eight restaurants there, two bars, but they're all our own concepts. And a lot of them are essentially spinoffs and peeling things out of skinny fats and then expanding on those. Um, but again, it's also given a lot of our chefs different outlets and things to play with and keeping it exciting for them. Okay, let's dive into skinny fat. So interesting name because you are a one-stop shop. First of all, I believe you've been named um, the best new fast casual eatery in the Dallas area. And Dallas is a huge food town, much like Las Vegas is. I know you started in Vegas, but skinny fats really marry sort of uh, over-the-top indulgent food that's happy food, you know, for good times with healthy, delicious alternatives. So you can get either or, thus the skinny fats. Um, So tell us how the concept came to be. Well, originally, uh, when this little deli came available, I hit up a couple different chef buddies of mine. Um, we're talking about, hey, this is what I'm doing, da 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 da. You know, want to help me put this together? Um, and one particular buddy of mine, we were working early on, and he really wanted to do a health food driven menu. That was uh, some of his background. He'd worked with some professional athletes, so health food, but more with the athlete in mind type thing. And my thoughts on it were we're in a very industrial area here. We're, uh, we're very lucky now in that they decided to put the Raiders Stadium 800 yards away from us. But historically, it's been a bit of an anomaly and not where you would typically drop you know, unit one of a restaurant. Um, so kind of a lot of guys that are working on cars during the day or you know, doing different things and bending steel, not necessarily the guy that wants to come in and eat healthy. So we were kind of going back and forth on it for quite some time and, and kind of came up with, well, what if we did both? And first thing that came to mind was skinny fats. And I tried to buy the domain on my laptop real quick. Of course, it had been known for seven or eight years, as most things are when you put some common words together. Uh, but it was expiring in about seven or eight days. And then, of course, they've got a 30-day redemption period. So we had this little window where if we were going to get skinnyfats.com, we would move forward with that as the name. And if for some reason we were not, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to do skinny fats LV or any of those things people like to do and they can't get the actual domain of something. Um, so we were able to secure the domain, started work on the IP, and you know really laid a lot of tracks that most people in that that small business don't don't quite think ahead. Um, we were lucky enough to have some really great people involved to help push the brand forward quickly, and I start to get some traction. And so a lot of that IP has come in handy. Um, we've got over fifty different trademarks. Most most everything on our menu is a trademark name, but also the idea of a healthy, happy split menu of skinny fats. There's a lot of things you cannot do theoretically. Um, so at least make it a little more difficult for someone to copy us. Very interesting concept. Now it started in Las Vegas and you've got multiple locations. Are they vastly different? Are they all completely consistent and on brand? Uh, they're, they're always evolving. So we've got six stores out here and then the Dallas store marks our seventh. Um, now other than the first store recently went and did a remodel. So technically it was done. It's probably our third most newest store right now, just because the remodel was just finished. But in general, you can kind of drive from one store to the other and see the evolution of the brand, uh, which has been pretty cool. So we, we try to keep some common elements. Um, we've got a great artist that does our murals and a lot of the different elements in store, uh, but we don't we don't ever try to copy anything over. We try to stay unchained and, uh, again, make it so that if you walked into one, you didn't walk into all of them. But you've got some common elements that you like. 
Uh, we, we always strive for the food to be consistent. Uh, but as far as the design, it's a constant evolution. We're always beta testing things. Uh, we've got our, our Stephanie location out here in Henderson um, that opened last year. We're just getting ready. It was a former bank that we converted. So we're getting ready to open up a drive through there, which will just be about eight items. So very scaled down menu, but kind of let us beta test having some of those elements there for a drive through. And then we also kept the pneumatic tube from the bank. So we're able to shoot so cool. juice out to people and just a juice Seriously? bottle on the drive through. Yeah. Really? That's a, that's way cool. That's, that's a hook, right? I'm yeah, a big believer fun. in hooks. I love that idea. So that's that was, awesome. I might have, it might have been more cost effective to tear the building down and start over, but I really wanted that pneumatic tube. So, but people are talking about that. I mean, that creates such a buzz when you got something that cool, right? It's like you come up it to is. the drive through button and, oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks so we're trying to roll those up. Can't have too many hooks in the restaurant business. That's fantastic. Yeah. So how would you describe the typical ambiance of a skinny fats? You walk in the door, what do you see? Uh, you see a lot. You see a lot of pretty art. You're hopefully greeted right away by some, by multiple of our staff. Um, we do, you know, we do order at the counter, but we also try to accommodate people. We'll get a lot of big groups. If, if we have a, you know, a volleyball team walk in, we're, we're going to try to sit them at a community table and have somebody go over there and take their order not make them all stand in line and kind of clog the lineup and get other people to turn around and leave. So we try to do a little bit of a hybrid here and there. Um, that's especially prevalent in Dallas where we've got a, a big dedicated bar area there and that bar area, um, our staff is trained that if somebody sits down in that area and they don't have a table number with the smiley face on it or their stamp knowing that they've ordered food, it basically triggers them to go drop menus and walk over with a tablet and kind of split to a full service model. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had some good success with that. And uh, again, constantly just kind of playing with the service standpoint, but we've got nice big TVs. It's always sports are always on the TVs. And then we have very, I would say female friendly music, but just kind of friendly for everybody. Good music selections. Uh, so that again, you can, somebody can enjoy the music by somebody else can at least see what's going on in the sports world on the TVs and uh, you know, just an environment that different people you know, appreciate. We like, we like to play music. We've gotten progressively uh, nicer and nicer sound systems with the restaurants as time gone, has gone by. So again, just kind of playing with the vibe and making it a very welcoming spot. You know, that smiley face is kind of iconic, you know, it takes you back to the seventies and it seems like it's a common thread or theme in, in your restaurants as well as your merchandise. And we'll go there in a minute. Was that always part of the concept? Uh, it's yeah, it's, we've used it since very early on. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually got it trademarked in March of 2017. So, so as of March 17, any food, beverage, et cetera, et cetera, in the United States uh, that utilizes it in a confusing manner, you know, we, we have that IP to stand on. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of places that have used the smiley face in different forms over time. Uh, it was not easy to get it trademarked. So I'm sure. Spent a lot of time on that one, but that's probably one of our more favorite marks. Not easy and probably not not inexpensive either. <laughs> not inexpensive. Tedious. So sure. Lots, okay. of, lots of processes and tweaking to get it there. All right. So you have some very interesting names, and you mentioned you've got 50-plus trademarks and whatnot, and all the food names are very eclectic and interesting. Everything from, you know, Brussels Crow to Thai Knee Dancer with, you know, spelled T-H-I-A-I. So do you name all the dishes yourself personally? Is that your team? Um, 
I would say I'm a very large percentage of it, but we definitely yeah, right. we definitely all contribute to them. Aside from the names that are on the menu, yeah, uh, we do a different eggs Benedict every weekend, times fifty two weekends a year. Yeah, I'm six years of being open, and so we uh, we definitely all kind of chime in and help name those because we've been naming them for so long. I think we, unless there's an ingredient that jumps out at us, it gets harder. So we try to kind of splice in different things that are going on in the world that aren't too controversial and that kind of can be funny and just, you know, they're only there for a few days. So spend a lot of time. We, we definitely all, all are heavy handed in naming those. Uh, as far as the stuff that's on the menu, again, I, I'd say maybe I named 80% of it and then others have contributed on the rest, but we don't even know at this point. We just, you know, we spitball names and hone them in until we get them right. Well, you know, I, again, I, I keep going back to my years of running restaurants and it wasn't about running a restaurant. It was about creating and elevating and continuing to innovate a brand. And that's clearly what I see you doing here. You know, every little detail is an important detail, even though there's thousands of details in running restaurants. And it seems like you're dialing all that in and the public is getting it. It's, it's hook. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's creativity. It's resourcefulness. It's all these things. Let's talk about the menu a little bit. We already mentioned that you have very interesting menu names. I know that you do smoothies and juices and, you know, really healthy stuff. What are some of the over top, you know, really indulgent things that are really popular on your menu? Talk about some of those. So, I mean, on the happy side, again, going back healthy side, all being under 600 calories, happy side doesn't carry calorie counts. Uh, but again, we don't, we don't lather it in grease just for the sake of it. Just we sure. think healthy food, comfort food. Okay. Um, but we've got, I mean, we've got three different burgers that are really great. Uh, we sell a lot of burgers. We sell a Nashville hot chicken sandwich. that's very popular on the breakfast menu. We've got one in particular called steak eyes, which are uh, two filet mignon medallions like that. that yeah. are deep fried like the, you know, uh, and, and those we then put on a jalapeno cornbread we make and, you know, kind of our, our, our spin on a chicken fried chicken or chicken fried steaks, or chicken mm-hmm. fried steak rather. And uh, so a lot of things are like that where we just take, take a dish that people are familiar with and try to just tweak it a little bit without, without overthinking it too much. Right. You know, you get, you want to have unique flavors, but that aren't so far one way or the other that, you know, only one out of 10 people enjoy them. Uh, so we do have our, our our product mix is pretty pretty significant as far as how many different things we actually sell a good volume of. Um, you know, we've our buffalo chicken tenders. We've got our own buffalo sauce, and those are our actually highest selling item. Um, you know, so just again, a lot of the staples just done very well. So with an extensive menu that's, you know, eclectic and in multiple different directions at the same time, do you find it challenging to cross-utilize the ingredients so that, you know, you're not bringing in stuff that's sitting around, but you're moving everything on all the different dishes, so you really don't? Definitely. I mean, it's Restaurant 101. Yeah. Um, And kind of what happened over time is, you know, over the years we did so many specials, so a lot of times when we're running a special – um, you know, the chefs are going to take ingredients we have and maybe change the sauce up a little bit, just make some little tweaks here and there. And that's great when you're running a special for a few days, but sometimes those specials get really great traction and then they want to live on our secret menu and then they live on our secret menu. And eventually maybe the next year when we do a menu update, maybe they make it onto the permanent menu. And over time we found that we had, you know, 
three sauces that were just a couple ingredients off of each other. So that we, that's where we, we kind of trimmed back the most. When we, when we opened in Dallas, we worked on condensing those down where just over time we kind of had a glut of all these different sauces we would make. So we were able to bring that down without alter, you know, drastically altering the flavor profiles on the dishes. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely something we have to keep track of. Right. Um, we're lucky in that we're in a, we, we do a ton of volume. So we're naturally pushing through a lot of the product. Um, if we, if our volumes drop significantly, it would get, it would start to be more of an issue, but you know, it's definitely something that we're aware of, but it's always tricky when it's, you know, fabric of the brand. Uh, we're known for being very customizable for giving people a lot of different options. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's always tricky to kind of when you peel things away for the sake of efficiency, you also kind of risk eroding your guest space. Okay. Do you solicit feedback from the customers on, say, the menu itself? And besides, say, online reviews where you're getting that feedback, are you asking customers what they like, what they don't like, all that sort of thing? Do you do any of that? We do. I mean, again, we're very, when it comes to online reviews, we're very into that and look at that on a daily basis. Uh, Jennifer's, who's our guest experience uh, consultant, she based, she came over from Disney and she handles guest recovery. And the second anyone says anything one way or the other on Yelp or Google or TripAdvisor or Facebook or Instagram, it's an immediate conversation and she's engaging them and trying to figure that out and recover them, but also, you know, give us internally that feedback uh, to know that, you know, so-and-so forgot to see, you know, forgot what salt and pepper was one day. And uh, all of a sudden there's six bad reviews and that just our, our food is bland, which is not a normal comment. And, you know, we do that. And then we've got, um, we kind of put together our own mystery shopper program internally. So we're able to take a lot of guests when they have a poor experience and get them, offer them to be part of our mystery shopper program, which allows them to actually be part of, part of fixing the problem. Right. So they can come in again. They can let us know if yes, the problem happened again or wow. You, or this, you know, you got either you guys fixed it or there was just an off day. Um, so that's been really good for us as far as keeping track of that. And again, turning somebody that is, unhappy with you mm-hmm. and not just throwing a throwing a here's a free this or a free that at them but yes a- actually making them part of the process of improving so, that's a beautiful idea that's good for us yeah that's that's a great one right there that's a you know tremendous takeaway for the audience what a, what a unique way of handling a challenge and making a fan for life really because you're treating yeah. that person like you know they're an important part of this business and you've made them so that's great so We've already talked about how unique uh, the business is. You know, we, we've gone down that road a little bit. It's, I'm getting a really good sense, even though I've never actually visited a Skinny Fats, of what the experience is about. But is there one, say, competitive advantage? You're in crowded restaurant spaces in all these markets. Is there one competitive advantage that jumps out that really elevates you so that people just, you know, say, hey, that place is this? Well, I mean, I'd say one is that we solve an actual problem, which is that people don't like to eat the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that allows us to do again, if it's, if it's a couple, if it's a couple of friends, whatever that is, and somebody's dead set on, you know, having a salad or something super healthy and somebody doesn't want that, they don't have to argue about where to go. They can argue once they get here on what they're ordering. Um, and that's, and that's been a real thing. I mean, kind of where it came from is there's you know, a million stories of people that just, again, spend a lot of time with each other, but like to eat different things. So mm-hmm. it, it's kind of kept that open. Um, I think from a, from a naming ideology and just the way our business is built is that there will always be things that are perceived as healthy and there will always be things that are perceived as unhealthy. 
So as long as we're paying attention and continue to evolve with the times, um, you know, our menu can do that. We're not uh, a yogurt shop or a Greek restaurant or something that just becomes very on trend and then oversaturated. And then there's one on every corner. Sure. A little bit more unique on that. But with anything, I mean, if you don't water it constantly and pay attention to it, it, it dies like everything else. So with the healthy side of your menu, you've obviously had to adapt to, um, you know, gluten-free and sensitivities. You've mentioned non-GMOs and all this kind of stuff. Do you find it difficult to prepare, you know, those two sides of the menu where some people might have celiac disease and you really have to isolate the food? And I mean, has that been a big challenge for you? We're, we're, we're very good about it and we're very up on it. It uh, doesn't mean we've, we've batted a thousand in the history of the company. We've made a couple of mistakes here and there, but we're, we're, we're very into it. And I think a lot of what comes from that is just our staff itself. Um, you know, my little brother who's been here since day zero uh, is, is a devout vegan. And so, you know, he's, he's really made sure we always have plenty of good vegan offerings. And, and I, I tend to say we probably have more vegan options than anything that isn't a specifically vegan restaurant. Sure. Um, so again, and it's not, here's the salad. It's, you know, here's 12 different things to choose from with different flavor profiles that we've thought about. Um, also with that, we've got a lot of ways to uh, modify things to make them vegan. We also have, you know, going back to our steak eyes dish, I mentioned like our, our kind of chicken fried steak, the gravy on that, we actually about nine months ago changed to a vegan gravy. Uh, we don't convey it as that because a lot of times people see, Oh my gosh, vegan and, and run away from it if they're not looking for that. But it does allow us to cross utilize that gravy into a different dish that can, that, that vegans can enjoy without making a second gravy. So we do have some things that are actually vegan and we don't necessarily convey as that unless they're in a dish that is fully vegan. So little by little over time. Okay. I get the sense that you've really, you know, this operation is really dialed. Um, you know, you're speaking my language on just about all cylinders here. What systems would you say are the most important at Skinny Fats right now that run your business? If you say that a system is something that, you know, it can also be an exit strategy because you don't have to be there on a day-to-day basis. You're certainly, you know, you got the big picture at 30,000 feet, but you're not in the trenches working in this restaurant unless you want to be. You're naming the dishes. You have a, you know, a hand in creating some of these dishes as well. And that's the fun part of the business but you're not micromanaging people. So, you know, what are those systems? Uh, I mean, I'd say that the one that's probably the most important, which again, we don't always get it right, but we're really, we're really digging in on currently is just, we, we did go through some pretty explosive growth. And with that, yes. uh, as always, it's a human capital play. And just thinking through our recruiting processes, our HR processes, what are we doing to get people in the door? What are we doing to make sure once they're here, they're feeling like they're part of something and wanting to stay here. Uh, you know, and, and I would say, you know, we opened aside from the expansion of the, the original store, you know, we opened three corporate stores in four and a half months and I can't pretend like it didn't hurt. It didn't, wasn't a struggle on everyone. And uh, luckily we've got a great corporate staff that utilizes as a SWAT team when we open stores and which are some of our best, but um, you know, I think, I think just really making sure you're bringing in the right people and you're, you're keeping them happy. I mean, that's, that is the system. Um, you know, beyond that, what we're starting to gear into now is more technology for getting our SOPs more into the digital age and uh, making it a lot easier for somebody to come in and understand how we do things and just 
kind of really bulking up what is our training process. Um, I mean, I'd say ultimately, if you can get your recruiting and your training down, uh, you know, that's a pretty good step in running a great organization. If, if those two things aren't in place, you're just kind of chasing your tail. And, and a lot of times you've got people that are there and they're just not the right people. You mentioned the word recruiting, which really jumps out at me because there is a huge difference between recruiting and hiring. And unfortunately, most of this business is the easy default is putting an ad in the paper or throwing a sign in the window. And that's the hiring piece, not the recruiting piece. So, you know, I want to focus on that because that is so important in getting the right kind of people that fit your brand, that are going to treat your customers the way they, you know, that you would expect and that the customer wants to be treated. And someone like you mentioned that feels like they're a part of what you're creating here is so different than just getting somebody in off the street that's trying to earn a paycheck. And I also say this because, you know, it's no secret, low unemployment right now and high turnover and, you know, so many restaurants are struggling across the country and finding and keeping a great staff. I don't get the sense that that's happening in, in your restaurants. It's, it happens everywhere and it's, and it's difficult. And again, I mean, all, all we can do is pay close attention to things and, and, and try to get them going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think a big one just where we look back in the last few months, you know, kind of our, our sense internally was we were, we were chasing our tail a little bit from a staffing standpoint, but Logically, we just opened up all these restaurants quickly, right, right. Uh-huh. and to a degree, that was logical. That that's that's why that felt that way. But once we stopped opening restaurants here for a month or two, we were still kind of feeling some of the same things, and so we kind of took a step back and just saw that kind of the job market and the and really pay expectations had moved just so rapidly, really, in these last six months. Um, as far as what's out there and what people are getting paid and able to get paid. And we really, we realized that, you know, we weren't able to advertise strong enough pay rates to get the right people in the door. Mm -hmm. And in order to advertise those strong enough pay rates, we had to internally bump everybody up that wasn't above them. Um, You know, and that's, and that's what we had to do these last couple months uh, we did it years ago with with dishwashers where we were having really big trouble with dishwasher retention and felt like it was this huge thing we you know just couldn't get ahead and adjusted the pay rate up to a, a nice rate and the problem disappeared and and I think I think that's a big problem that people really in any business go through is you know not not being competitive enough from a pay rate standpoint to where you're not getting those good people in the door. And everyone's saying, well, we're not making enough money and now we can't afford to pay more and this and that. But as, as you know, it's more of a, you can't afford not to mm-hmm. and kind of, and the easiest way to understand it and for people to think through it is if you give me, you know, I, I can have six okay people on the line or I can have five great people on the line. Uh, I'd rather pay those five great people more money and us put out better food and be more efficient and then, enjoy their jobs more and hopefully not have to go get a second job. Um, so I think that's kind of just a big thing that we're going through is really just making sure that everyone's making enough money that we can have the right people in the door. And first step was going with our staff and bumping everyone up. So that was kind of a unexpected thing for them a few weeks ago, but we had to do that before we could put ads out and really start to recruit at a higher rate. Um, but okay. But quickly, we've gotten a lot of better people that normally wouldn't have even stepped foot in the door. And over time, they're going to come in and strengthen the team. And, and hopefully, you know, we're going to be paying a little bit more, but we're also going to be getting some more quality people and having less people on the floor. 
So now we're talking about a balance. You mentioned earlier that you're, you know, you're obviously a high volume, really busy restaurant in your different locations, but obviously with rising costs and, you know, cost of goods and high payroll costs and all that sort of thing, you need to strike that balance between not overcharging the customer, but they're feeling that they're getting value for their money. There's high perceived value when the plate is put in front of them. And, you know, how do you find, how do you strike that balance between keeping your costs in line, maximizing your profits, but putting out a high quality product and paying your people well? <laughs> it's tough. It know? is, isn't it? <laughs> it's the tough. biggest challenge it's, in the uh, business. Yeah. You want, you want to take care of everyone internally and make sure people are, you know, happy to come to work. Um, you know, on the other hand, anytime you bump up a price, you know, your consumer doesn't care how you got there. They're, they still don't like it Yes, because uh, it affects them. So, I mean, we've been very slow and methodical and, and as far as when it comes to adjusting prices over the years, you know, we might tweak a couple things each year. Um, our rule of thumb is if, if cost has ever gotten out of line on something where we had to move it more than a dollar, we would just take it off the menu and put something else that was costed properly on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a dollar is typically about the biggest number a consumer can wrap their head around and still see value in something. Um, you know, for us, we're a restaurant that people eat at four or five times a week. So because of that, you know, we, we play a play a pretty aggressive costing and margin game because um, we want those people to come in all the time. We want it to be affordable enough and have enough value that they're going to we're going to see them a few times. They're going to bring their friends in. But but yeah, with anything, it is a balance. And, and like I said, on on bumping up the internal costs on labor. We, we're in a tight race to make sure that we get to more efficient staff and that, you know, we've, we're paying everybody more, but in the end we have less people on the floor to do that. How about your pricing structure on your menu? Is it uh, rounded up to, is it on the whole dollar? Is it eclectic pricing where things are like 77 cents, you know, like $4 and 77 cents. I mean, do you use unusual pricing or is it, We've, it depends on the year. I mean, we've got, we've mm-hmm. right now we're, we do our eight ninety fives or nine ninety fives. I'm sure three years ago we were at $8 and we thought it was easier to bump it up 95 cents than bump it up a dollar from a consumer sure. high standpoint. Um, and then we've kind of stayed within <laughs> that. Uh, it's, it's really nice to have everything be just a nice even number and not take up space. But, but again, from a consumer standpoint, seven ninety five looks a lot better than eight. Um, but, but again, you know, that's, that's generally where we've kept it. We have a couple things that are, you know, at the 50 cent mark or whatnot. Uh, but that's typically going to be like a, you know, a 20, 21 ounce soda versus our 32 ounce soda. They're not going to obviously both in at a 95, Yeah. but for the, for the most part, we're at the, we're in the 0.95 range. Okay. I noticed that you have online ordering, um, capabilities. Now that's just one technology platform in an industry that seems like a new piece of technology comes out every day. There's front of house stuff, there's back of house stuff. Are you a big believer in, in technology to help you run a more efficient operation? Definitely a big believer in technology when it works. And, yeah. uh, and that's, and also, I mean, look with anything, it's, you've got to stay the course on things. And if you, if every five minutes you're changing how you do something, it starts to the wear and tear and the fatigue on the consumer starts to exist. We've, I'd say the POS is the biggest one right now. Um, we've, we switched to toast about nine months ago. Uh, it's the first time I've ever been happy about a POS system. So that's been a, that's been a nice jump. 
um, and really just a paradigm shift for everyone versus the typical berating of the POS. Um, and like with anyone, I mean, they don't, they don't get it perfect every time. Sometimes there's issues, but, but in general, they've been, it's been a vastly different experience than some of the old dinosaurs that we've used before. Um, and a lot of, so a lot of the tech that we're starting to use are things that integrate well with toast, um, just so that we don't have, you know, 10 tablets sitting there and things like that. Um, right. we, do, we do Uber Eats, we do Postmates, we do DoorDash. Um, if you're going through our website and ordering, we're integrated with DoorDash there. Um, and DoorDash and Toast are just finishing their direct integration. Uh, previously, we've been beta testing Checkmate and some other software that, you know, take all the tablets and have them go straight through to the POS right. to, to remove that step of someone entering, which is one common platform that integrates with the POS. Uh, sure. Yeah, and, you know, it's been it's been not not perfect, but uh, you know, that's again, we tend to beta testing at one stores before we roll it out system wide. Uh, that's why Dallas has been nice too, because we only have one store in the market right now, so it allows us to actually change things without changing them at six stores. So we've added some you know, different food items there, different processes. And once we've proven it out there, then we've brought it back to Vegas and rolled it out here. But, um, but yeah, no, we're always, always playing around with different technology. It's just, again, trying to not have an overglut of technology. Do you have any back of house software that sort of tracks inventory and all that sort of thing? So there's, there's some stuff that's baked into toast um, yeah. that we're using on the inventory side. Then we're also kind of uh, a little bit aside from that, but I, I, I hear it mainly at back. This is uh, we're just setting up player link software, um, which uh, oh, uh, blaze uses and a couple of the other big ones. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but they, uh, they came from the background They They also do a lot of sports teams like NFL teams, oh, NHL really? teams, NBA oh, teams yeah, yeah. to kind of condense playbooks. So they, that's where they started, and then they realized that it actually worked very well for restaurants. So it's, again, getting everything into iPad format and so that our staff can easily go through and they don't have to guess at how the right way to make a sandwich is. They can just watch the video real quick and see a recap of how it's done and if the tomato is above the lettuce or vice versa. Um, but beyond that, it also is just compiling, again, all of our SOPs, all of our processes, everything into one place. Uh, so we've been we've been looking at that for a while, and they're just tr- starting the integration process right now. So excited at what that's going to bring. Definitely, it's all you know, it's all moving ahead. How would your staff describe your management style and your operating philosophy? <laughs> Depends on the day. I don't I don't know. Um, it's been it's been tricky lately, just operating in two cities. Um, I've you know, I've been spending a heavy amount of time in Dallas just because, again, once you've proven it in a second city, to a degree, you've proven it anywhere. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of importance placed on that store. But uh, it's, it's definitely, it's been the first time I've had to balance that, the two-city thing. And um, like I say, if you, don't, if you don't water things properly, they stop growing. And yes. uh, just really kind of making sure that, I'm, you know, nobody feels like I'm neglecting them from a time standpoint or from an accessibility standpoint. Um, but in general, I try to find people that are good at things they do and let them do it. Okay, excellent. 
Let's talk a little bit about managing multiple locations in disparate locations. That's that's a real huge challenge. I mean, you got to maintain quality, you got to maintain the brand. You obviously hire the right people that understand all that. What type of reporting do you depend upon from the individual stores that you look at on a weekly basis so that you've got a really good feel even if you're not visiting those stores? Well, the I mean, I would say the two things. I mean, one, obviously, on the number side, everything's on the same platform in Toast. I'm able to pull pretty good analytics from that. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, it's our it's our weekly guest reports that uh, that our guest recovery specialist Jennifer puts together. Right. Uh, that's we we see those. I mean, I, I'm copied on all of those interactions on a daily basis, so I I see as they come through. But I I kind of only tend to see the the not good ones. So it's nice at the end of the week when I get the report that shows all of them and it doesn't feel as bad as it once did. Excellent. Uh, you know, as many, many a restaurant owner has gone crazy reading Yelp reviews over the years and I'd, uh, I'd kind of gotten away from seeing them on so much of a daily basis until recently. And, uh, and I might have to pull myself back off of that a little bit just cause it can get a little sad if you're, if you're only seeing the bad ones. Uh, do you leave that to, I think you mentioned her name is Jennifer, customer experience. Uh, does she bring certain things to your attention? Does she know that you're watching? Do you kind of have a hard time staying away because every once in a while you want to go and see what your reviews are saying? And, or you have a weekly well, I mean, conversation with her? You look at them. She just, I mean, anytime something's three stars or less, she's responding right away and copying yeah. us along and making us aware. Also making the store level management aware, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's, there's plenty of times where somebody's still in the restaurant and they're just saying, I'm still waiting for my food. It's taking forever. So sometimes we can actually recover them in real time and address the situation and, and, and try to triage it before they leave the store, which is ideal. So it's, it's great having her be, you know, be up on it. Um, every once in a while, if she comes across something and isn't sure how to respond or what the right thing is, I mean, she'll, we text back and forth and yeah. uh, we can jump in there, but She's pretty darn good at what she does. So, I'm sure. Well, you put a great amount of attention on the customer experience, and that's one of the foundational fundamentals of running this business anyway. So sure. that's a given. I mean, you got to take care of the customer or else the competition will. For sure. You also have a merchandise program. You can order all kinds of cool stuff online. Yeah, we just kind of keep adding to it. I mean, we've got a whole creative office here and mm-hmm. just try to churn out fun stuff, whether it's stickers or this or that. And, uh, so starting to get into some more and more fun things and like with anything, it's just kind of seeing what works, what resonates with people. And, um, you know, people love stickers, but yeah. they like, but they also like free stickers. So, you know, it's just kind of balancing out kind of different swag that we give to guests and, uh, versus things that people want to buy and, and what that actually looks like. Uh, we, we've been big over the years. Like we, we don't ever discount anything. We've always been build value, not, not a, not a discount type situation. Sure, of course. Um, every 420, we do free cookie day. So we give everyone a free cookie. There's no catch to it. You don't have to buy anything. You just have to show up. Um, but other than that, we've, again, we've always been, I'd rather give something away than charge less for it. Definitely. Uh, that that wow. becomes the new price for the consumer. And uh, so we've, right. you know, we play around with just different things over the years. And, and again, if it works, we do it more. If it doesn't, we, we look at it differently. That's another key takeaway. Once you start discounting your product, it's what the customer always expects and they never want to pay full price and it devalues what you're actually offering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll, call it, we'll call it Groupon. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
What else uh, would you like to talk about that I might not have asked you that's relevant either in the industry, things you're seeing for trends, uh, anything about your business that you want to share? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess just again, going back to the labor thing, it's it's definitely real. It's a struggle right now. And, uh, you know, just everybody, you know, I think the, the biggest thing too is, you know, figuring, you know, who is your workforce and what, what, what gets them up and going? You know, there's what motivates them and, you know, is it is it straight just what their, what their wages or is it, you know, employee events? Is it this, is it that? Uh, and it's not, it's not the same for everyone. You know, you have, you have a front of house work staff that typically responds to certain things and perks, whereas a back of house work staff is going to respond strictly to money predominantly, right? Yes, there's there's sure. be a little bit of each crossover, but that's, I think been the trickiest thing is really figuring out again, what, what everyone wants and what makes everyone happy and what makes them then make everyone else happy at work, uh, which translates all the way through to the guests. So I'd say again, just really paying attention and talking with your, your front of house and your back of house and really trying to understand that, you know, is it, does somebody want a, a raise of thousands of dollars a year or would they like you to pay $50 a month toward their cell phone bill? You know, mm-hmm. again, it's just trying to figure those things out. Do you have one piece of advice that you could give to other operators that might want to take uh, one successful location and move on to the next one? And then once that's dialed in, keep going. I'd, I'd make sure that first location successful. That's, I, I think that's the biggest misstep I see a lot of people do. They're in such a hurry to add units and grow stores and, you know, restaurants are not inexpensive to build and they're, they're not really realistic with how long it's going to take to recoup that money. Um, and, and I think too, yeah, it's just when you going from one to two was the hardest, um, just cause again, you have all your human capital and all your focus on one thing. And then all of a sudden it's split. And, uh, as you, as you get to more stores, at least within a market, you have more human capital. You can pull from each store to seed those new restaurants going from one to two. I mean, you're chopping it in half and then backfilling with a bunch of new people more or less, but I think I've just, I've seen a lot of people here where they go out to the races and they open four restaurants right off the bat because they've got a hot new concept. And, and I'd, I'd say that's the toughest thing to watch because very rarely does that end well. Um, but yeah, I just think also going from one to two, I've seen people where they're making a little bit of money or they're maybe losing a little bit of money, but they're thinking that, well, they're going to split their salary between the two stores and that's going to make it profitable and this and that. And, you know, I just think that you got to be real careful with that. You know, we've, we've had a, we've learned a lot over the years, you know, but it's, they've been painful and expensive lessons as well. Um, so just really, really making sure you're dialed in before you go run out and open a bunch. Well, you got a really impressive concept, Skinny Fats. It's a great, great idea. I mean, I love the food ideas. I love the naming ideas. I kind of like the branding we've talked about. I mean, there's no wonder you're, you're successful. So I wish you the best of success in the future. Any new projects you're working on you want to mention that are either in or out of the hospitality space, Reed? Yeah, I mean, again, the big one is, is Hall Pass, which is our food hall up in Salt Lake City. So yeah. that's set to open uh, right on Black Friday later this year. And uh, we're pretty excited about it. It's got a lot of, a lot of cool new concepts in there that have been stuck in our heads for years that we haven't been able to put out into the wild. Um, so a lot of, as as you know, our menu is very big here. So I can't really 
keep putting stuff on it. So this kind of gives sure. us a different outlet to try some new things and uh, also just kind of play around with skinny fats as a format. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's an experiment. It's a beta test and it's also good feedback for the restaurants as well. So sure. wish you the best of success with that. Thank you. Thanks for your time. It's been a great time talking with you, Reed. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, folks, and we'll see you in the next episode. Well, guys, what did you think of that episode? It was really so powerful. There were so many key takeaways about what it's like to build a fast-growing brand. And I have to emphasize the word brand. I always recommend, you know, that you shouldn't be running a restaurant. You should Everything that you do should be all about creating and building a very powerful brand with competitive advantages. We covered so many of those ideas today. It was all about systems, though, wasn't it? It's like systems run your business, whether you want to run your restaurant yourself and be hands-on operator in one or multiple locations, or you want free time and you want to be able to go off and do other things and you empower your staff, your people to have your back and take care of your restaurant, and you've got the cost controls in place. All those things are so necessary. It really comes down to systems. So if you're you know, running a restaurant day to day and you just like to figure out a way to make more money and, and be happier in doing what you're doing... You need systems in that restaurant, and we can help. I'd like you to know we just launched a brand new website at restaurantrockstars.com, and there we're offering something called the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. So it's three levels of membership depending on what your needs are in the restaurant business. Level one, if you just want to control your costs and maximize your profits and really squeeze every dime of profit out of your operation, there's a complete financial system that teaches you what all the critical numbers are, how to find them, how to work with them in minutes per week, even if you hate the numbers. It also includes the Profit Maximizer video, three ways to increase profits in your restaurant. Level two is all about staff development and training, recognition and rewards to build what I call your dream team staff. Not only, you know, creating great guest customer service experiences, but also teaching your staff how to serve and how to sell and how to double your check averages and make more money in your restaurant. It also includes the financial system from level one. And then finally, level three, if you're just starting your very first restaurant, you don't know where to begin, you've never been in the business before, or maybe you're a chef who's worked for someone, you know, his whole life and you just want to put your name on the door, but you suddenly realize it's so much more than putting out pretty food. You know, the Academy Level 3 is for you. Or if you're a veteran operator that is just wondering why you're spinning your wheels, you got a busy restaurant, you're filling your seats, but you're just not watching your bank account grow. You know, you're not making the kind of money you think you should be making. It's literally everything I've learned in 25 years in opening the doors to a successful place, putting the cost controls and the financial, you know, profit maximization in place, developing that staff, coming up with really powerful marketing ideas that deliver huge ROI at very little money and also finding efficiencies across the operation. You're going to find it all no matter what level you're looking at in the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. So thanks for listening to that. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a review on iTunes. It's going to help other owners and operators and managers find us. And uh, you might as well subscribe as well uh, to make sure you don't miss any episode. You can subscribe on iTunes. So we appreciate your listening. Thanks for being there. Stay tuned for the next episode, and I'll see you there. Thanks for listening to, to the, the Restaurant, Restaurant Rockstars, Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.